Hi everyone, Stacy Martin here. Welcome to The Bridge Podcast. You may be wondering why the podcast looks and sounds a little different today. Well, all I gotta say is COVID-19. If you look over this shoulder, you will see my messy unmade bed. If you look over this shoulder, you will probably see an empty snack wrapper, a sippy cup, or some other disruption to my the cleanliness of my home. And you may even hear the thundering of my kids' feet downstairs, unless they have not gotten off the couch, which they haven't done for the last five hours from watching YouTube. It's only noon. Like, I'm totally winning at this parenting game. Give me grace. Let the protection of the Lord be all over this house. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but this week I really felt the burden of the disruption of the coronavirus. I felt fear and anxiety where I don't normally feel it. Um, I was worrying about things well beyond my control, and I felt myself at a frenetic pace and this frenetic energy that I know is the opposite of what God wants for me. So I was trying to decide what are those things that I can do to to get back to this state of peace. Like, I don't want to feel like this, God. This is this can't be what you want for me. This is not dynamic life in Christ. And so I re-listened to an episode of the Digging Deeper podcast where I sat down with Belinda Johnson, who is one of our counselors in our care and counseling department. We sat down and had this incredible conversation about escaping the trap of fear and anxiety. And it was such good information. It was like a balm to my soul to hear her words and her tips about fear and anxiety. So this week, I wanted to figure out how to get it back into all of your hands because there could not be more of an important time to, to lean into peace and lean away from fear and anxiety than right now. So I hope you'll join me and enjoy, re-enjoy this conversation with Belinda Johnson. And how about share it with a friend? I think this now is a time where so many of us are looking for resources and looking for things that we can lean into when, um, all of life is disrupted. So share with a friend that you think uh, could use this message. Thanks so much. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for your homes and your families and your marriages and your finances and your jobs and all the things. And uh, I'm excited to be with you this week. See you next week. What would happen if we give everyone an invitation to the table, believing everybody has something to bring and every generation some wisdom to share? What would happen if the passionate people of God became known for building bridges, making connections where there were once divides? What would happen if the love of God sparks a movement, transforming our own lives, our relationships, our communities? Let's find out together. Welcome to Bridged, a podcast about connection. Hi, everyone. I'm Stacy Martin, and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. This podcast, you can find it on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are digging deeper into a series that we're currently on with Forest Hill Church about escaping different traps. And today, I could not be more excited about talking about the topic of anxiety. And I am joined by my friend Belinda Johnson. She is one of our counselors here at Forest Hill Church. And we're going to really dig into anxiety. Jonathan Scott um, unpacked for us a lot about anxiety, but what I'm so excited about for this particular week with you is I kind of get my own counseling session on anxiety. <laughs> like this is, you know, we don't have to worry about the confidentiality that right. normally comes. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be kind of airing my dirty laundry, but I think anxiety is something that is so prevalent. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to people about us doing this podcast or even last week's sermon, they could not believe that we as a church were digging into this and they couldn't wait to hear about mm. it. So, well, tell me a little bit about yourself before we dig into anxiety. Okay. So I have been married 39 years. Oh, wow. And I have two daughters and I have two grandchildren and a third one on the way in two weeks or so. Um, so we're super excited about that. My first uh, life, in my early life, my first career, I was a teacher. 
And then in early 2000, culminating in 2005, uh, I felt God calling me back to become a counselor. And so I entered Gordon-Conwell, and I graduated in 2009, and I have been a counselor ever since. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Well, there is something about sitting with you that feels calming, that feels (laughs) like you've got a counselor vibe. And I don't know if, you know, all these years being a counselor, you've dropped the May craziness that happens for teachers or if you still (laughs) feel it. But just being with you, you've and everyone I told that I was uh, talking with you today, they're like, oh, Belinda, I just love her. So I'm very excited to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about anxiety. Yes. First of all, what what is anxiety? Well, I, basically, we all kind of know what anxiety is. It's worry. And we all worry. It's very normal. And um, the challenges occur when anxiety starts to t- play a larger role in our lives. Mm. How do you know if it's it's moved to that unhealthy level? Well, if it starts to interrupt our daily functioning or your daily functioning, then perhaps it is moving to a higher level in your life. And how would that manifest? How would we see that? Well, so you think about, is it interrupting my life? Mm -hmm. Am I, one thing to think about, is my world growing smaller? Is it shrinking because of anxiety? Do I have fear leaving the house? Do I, um, uh, Dread social situations. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, do I do my worries keep me up at night? Do they wake me up in the middle of the night? Oh wow. Um, let's see. Even like physiological changes, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. Like I was even thinking through some of the things that I've experienced with anxiety, like a racy heart. Yes. Things like that. Those are physical manifestations of anxiety. And one of the things, you know, if I am meeting with a client, we talk about what the symptoms, what her physical or his physical symptoms might be of anxiety and a racing heart, uh, sweaty palms, Mm. hot flush that kind of, you know, goes through your body. Uh, If you're able to be aware, sometimes we're just not, but our muscles tend to contract, you know, we tense up. Mm. So there's definitely different uh, manifestations. You can have, you know, a headache, stomach ache, some of those things. But some anxiety is good. Yes, some anxiety is good. It helps us function optimally. Uh, It um, encourages us to do our best. But uh, you can, it can interfere with life for you, and then it is a problem. Are we doing something wrong if we have anxiety? Is there something wrong with us? No, there is nothing wrong with us if we have anxiety. Everybody at some point in their life is going to experience anxiety. Um, But uh, it may come and go. It may ebb and flow Mm -hmm. in our lives. And there may be um, things that worsen or exacerbate our anxiety, uh, circumstances, life events, where suddenly we once felt confident and calm and cool, and suddenly 
we are not yeah. that way. I think that's what's so hard about the the stigma that's associated yeah. with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I I'm a firstborn, yes. oldest of three girls. Yes, I've always been kind of type A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm less now type A than I used to be, but mm-hmm. um, so when I had my first son, I experienced postpartum anxiety. Okay, and I was not prepared for it, mm-hmm. and I felt so much shame mm-hmm. around the fact that mine manifested in um, I never slept. So I would, whenever wow. the baby slept or yeah. when I slept or tried to sleep, I would think, okay, I only have two hours. I only have three hours or I should be sleeping. Or then the anxiety came for, why am I not enjoying this the way other moms right. appear to be enjoying this? And then the shame of, gosh, I don't even want to tell my husband I'm struggling this much because, mm-hmm. man, he's not sleeping either. It just, it kept snowballing. Yes. And then I've got friends who've experienced anxiety in different seasons mm-hmm. and they feel the same thing. Like, I don't want to tell anybody because I want to appear I have it all together. Yes. Why yes. Do, Why does anxiety have that kind of stigma? Well, I think anything having to do with our mental health has stigma. Uh, you know, everybody is fine if they're sick, they go to the doctor. If I have a sore throat or if I have a fever, you know, it's like natural response. Oh, if it doesn't go away in 24 hours, maybe <laughs> I should go to the doctor. But when we suffer from other things that have to do with our mental health, anxiety, depression, um, any anything that sort of uh, attacks our emotional state, we don't share those things. Yeah. We have uh, embarrassment and there's a, we feel like there's a stigma around that. And I believe that there has been a stigma, but I do believe it is definitely lessening. So I'm really glad that the direction of the um, knowledge and the um, of mental health, how that is uh, changing in our society. Yeah. Do you see that men or women struggle the most with that stigma around talking about mental health? Well, I, I guess I want to say men, but I don't want to be sexist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a reverse way. Um, uh, but I think having to do with this, you know, strong, silent man and the man is can take care of everything and the fixer and uh, also uh, the lack of Uh, where um, men used to not feel as comfortable sharing their emotions. Mm. I think all that is part of maybe why they have a harder time talking about their anxiety. But I do believe that they also suffer from anxiety. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's been interesting in the the church world. Mm -hmm. Mental health has not been something that really even the church world has stepped into until recently. And we're lucky at Forest Hill. I mean, we've got this great care and counseling department. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still a lot of people who have faith, who feel like anxiety is rooted in their lack of faith. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, um, that God, um, if our faith is strong enough, then whatever we're experiencing, um, God will remove. And I do believe that God heals uh, completely um, with all kinds of issues, mental health, physical health. But I also know God chooses to heal in multiple ways. Mm. And sometimes the healing is prayer only. Sometimes it is uh, through a doctor or through a counselor. Sometimes it is with medication. And many times it's a combination of all three. So taking anxiety medicine is not unbiblical? No, 
Not it, mm. I do not see anything that would support that it is unbiblical. You just set some people free. Well, good. Because I do I remember thinking, especially when I was in that postpartum phase, is that I must be doing something wrong because I'm not because when I pray about it, I don't get mm. this like quote unquote peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that piece is, but I don't have it. <laughs> and it wasn't until my OBGYN prescribed me Zoloft that yes. I was like, oh, I can see clearly. Yes. Like I could not even think rationally. Yes. And that medicine, but I even felt shame about that medicine. Of, yes. Well, I, you know, gosh, this prescription, this little script yeah. pad is indicative of my spiritual life too. Yeah. And that I, I'm glad to hear that because I think you really have set some people free in that for sure. Yes. Um, medication is absolutely essential for some people. And I would never want anybody to feel that that would not be, that that's an ungodly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that I also take medication. I take Zoloft right now, and I've been on it, off and on it for years. And um, Zoloft is technically an antidepressant, but it also treats anxiety, mm-hmm. and I have anxiety myself. So I have found it helpful. It sort of just takes the edge off. So I'm able to not have my world shrink because of my anxiety. Sure. I'm able to do coping strategies that I know myself because I work with people of anxiety and through my education and training. So I utilize the same strategies that I give clients and they are extremely helpful. Uh, sometimes if you do have a, a degree of anxiety that coping strategies alone are not effective, mm-hmm. if you do take a medication, it can help those coping strategies become effective. Mm. Well, and what, what are those coping strategies? Well, one of the biggest coping strategies would be breathing, deep mm. breathing. And so that is something that I utilized actually today driving in because I knew I was going to do the podcast. And social anxiety is also something um, that is part of my anxiety package. And so I was breathing Mm -hmm. and calming myself. And then as I shared with you, I I ate some lunch so that I would try to have my brain as clear as possible for this just because I knew that I was putting myself in a position where I would have anxiety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, here yeah. I am. So deep breathing, um, the key to deep breathing is you inhale through your nose. You do not want to inhale through your mouth because that can lead to hyperventilation. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to do that. So the, <laughs> that so would the, make it worse. So the old <laughs> image of people breathing in and out through right. a paper bag. Well, that can work. But that, um, especially if you're going into a panic mode. But however... Uh, you can just, you don't have to have a paper bag. You feel yourself maybe having some physical symptoms of anxiety. And maybe, you know, our bodies respond first Mm. when, especially with anxiety, when things happen. But we tend to sometimes ignore this, what's happening in our body. Oh, yeah. So if you tune into your body and you notice your heart is you know, racing or that you are feeling kind of fluttery or hot or um, sweaty, uh, you know, all of those things indicate anxiety. And so just, you know, inhale through your nose. I'm going to say to about a count of four, inhale Mm. and pause. And then exhale. We just did it and I feel better. (laughs) 
And the reason you feel better is because when we exhale, you are actually uh, activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest of the nervous system. You've heard of fight, flight, and freeze, yes, right? Yeah. Well, that is the sympathetic nervous system. And that, when when our anxiety increases or escalates to a specific level, I don't, I'm not gonna say I know what that level is, but we can go into a panic mode. Yes. And sometimes we might have a panic attack. When that happens, it's because you have activated the sympathetic nervous system and you are activating fight, flight, or freeze. Interesting. Yes. Yes. And that's harder to calm down, but you can. So, you know, when you start to notice I'm getting anxious, if you start practicing your breathing, you will definitely be able to lower the level of anxiety. Um, One thing that I have found mm -hmm. for myself, there's two things that in my family, we have a long history of anxiety Mm -hmm. in my family. We're hardwired for it. It's just like in my genetic coding. Um, But I have found for myself that there are two things. One is exercise right off the bat. And, And not even like... If YouTube can see me, they're like, that girl don't exercise that much. But um, it just even going for a walk, there have been times where we'll get the kids to bed and I can feel this like yes. antsy, yes. almost like restless leg syndrome, yes. but I'm awake. Yes. It's just this, I, I can't even yeah. describe it. And I'll tell my husband, I just got to go for a walk yes. and I'll walk our neighborhood for 30 minutes. Yes. And by the time I have done that, yes. I feel better. Yes. Yes. I am a huge proponent of exercise. I would say it is one of my ways of self-care and and managing my own anxiety. And in fact, I didn't get to exercise this morning because of the podcast. Uh, So I just thought, well, it'll be okay. But really, um, I like to jog. Mm. I, I can't do it very often. But, you know, you release those endorphins. And basically, anxiety... Your brain is activated, and we want to do whatever we can to calm our brain. Oh, that's So good. just thinking about calming the brain. And so when you go um, out and walk and you get your heart rate elevated a little bit, doesn't even have to be like a, a jog or a run, but also um, I'm going to say using the bilateral motion that happens in your movement, you are calming your brain. Oh. And it is very effective for um, working with anxiety. Also yoga yes. is really, really effective um, I mean, yoga is just like the trend now. And I know that um, some some of us have a fear with yoga that, oh, it's I don't want to do anything that's not of God. Like an right. Eastern, right. Eastern, Eastern yeah, Asian kind of, religion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so what I want to say is that I, I totally get it. I think, though, um, you know, God created all good things. Mm. And, uh, of course, we have an enemy who wants to pervert those things. Oh, that's good. So, you know, for you just to be careful scoping out, you know, where you would maybe do yoga or maybe, you know, doing it um, through YouTube or, um, you know, anywhere online, just where you can kind of be, uh, you know, the judge of whether it's a yoga for you or not. Yeah. But um, well, I, I found a great YouTube oh, yoga yes. um, channel that I have been doing and I love her. I, I've got two young kids and a husband that right. travels, so I don't have yes. a ton of flexibility. Yes. Or, I mean, honestly, I probably have some anxiety about going to a yoga studio <laughs> and being the one that accidentally farts during yoga class, oh. like, or something like that. So it's better for me to do it at home. Um, oh. But yoga with Adrian. 
Oh, and so she is okay. not, I, I don't get the vibe that she's a Christian, but I yeah. also don't get the vibe that she's like pushing you into a right. spiritual way. Right. Yes. And a lot of times, like she'll talk about different centerings. Like I've been doing this yoga camp with her, short okay. 30 minute videos, and she'll have a mantra. Okay. And so one of them is like, today I'm awake. So, and you finish the sentence. So yeah. I know that she might say, today I'm awake to my potential. Right. But I'll say, today I'm awake to the way God is going to move. Yes. Like I'll complete the sentence yes. in a way that spiritually grounds yes. me. But I will say yoga with Adrienne. She gets my full endorsement okay. if anybody's looking for a YouTube right. yoga channel. That sounds and great. And needs a little privacy yes. like I do. <laughs> and a lot of times the Y offers yoga Ooh, yeah. classes that are not so Eastern, but you know, every now and then you have a teacher who seems a little mm, out there. Very namaste, y'all. Right. (laughs) But you know, um, I always sort of do the same thing you do. I interpret it according to my, my Christian beliefs and uh, really bring Jesus in my head into my practice. And I will tell you that I have had um, God, you know, speak to me, uh, you know, with like a still small voice um, through a practice where I might have had a really heavy prayer request. And he lets me know by the end I've had sort of this, oh, okay, God, that's what I need to do. So I, um, I, I really do believe that, you know, we can all discern uh, what to do with that. But what yoga does is it's the mindfulness Mm -hmm. of, being present, learning how to breathe, if that is probably the biggest thing that I have come away with from yoga is it really taught me how to breathe in a way that calms the brain. Well, what's so interesting that you were saying that, you know, God creates all good things. So much about Jonathan's sermon was about Philippians 4. Yes. Where it it really does talk about mindfulness. Yes. And uh, I want to go back to that. But one thing I really appreciate that you just did in this was be very vulnerable about your own journey and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think Jonathan did that really well this weekend, Mm -hmm. too, talking about where he is in his current stage of life. What role does vulnerability play? in in the healing process of anxiety? Well, uh, first of all, you have to admit that you have a problem or that your worry has become a problem for you. Mm. So you have to recognize that. And as you start to recognize it, it may be that it's helpful for you to talk to somebody about it just to see what they think. And that may not be a counselor. It may be a close friend or a family member. I think it's also important uh, if you are someone who it's hard for you to share that you are careful in who you talk to uh, because not everyone's a safe person for oh, you. Good. So to maybe even test the waters of, is this person safe for me? And not just thinking, well, they must be safe because... They're willing to hear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and 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 sometimes a safe person, you know they are safe because they have shared personal things. Yeah. And that's inviting to you to share what's going on with you. Well, and you don't good. have to go right to the hardest part of what you're struggling with. But, you know, something a little like sometimes I know that my, you know, I worry an awful lot about this. Mm. And, um, uh, but I do think if you can pay attention to yourself and notice if my anxiety is having such an effect on me that it is affecting how I live, 
or my um, work life or school life or my personal relationships. You know it's time to be vulnerable with somebody. Yes, yes. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, back to Philippians 4. I love that it is so much about mindfulness, like we talked about with you, but it also talks a lot about gratitude in prayer. What role do you think uh, does gratitude play in addressing anxiety? Well, I think that gratitude is essential for looking outside of ourselves and opening up our world view in a sense that sometimes anxiety can close in our world and make us um, super um, inward focused Mm. and where it can become suffocating almost within ourselves. So it's not helping us. So gratitude helps move our focus from internal to external to outward. And that really um, helps us begin to see more than just what's happening inside of us. So I do think it's really important. Um, Does a daily practice of gratitude, I mean, is it as easy as making a list at the end of the day of things that happen that you're grateful for? Yeah. So, you know, I remember that Um, I went through where I tried to do stuff on my phone and everybody nowadays is super in their phone, you know, as far as it's part of uh, how you function. And there are apps uh, like gratitude apps, journal apps. So and, you know, or you have a little note section on your phone and you could just write down some things daily. And if you do it at the start of your day, then it can help set the tone for your day. But I also think that it's important to not necessarily repeat the same things every day because we can do that, but then we can lose sight that it has any meaning for us. So maybe just trying to explore, um, you know, other things you're grateful for. I also think that, um, Along with that idea, I have done the practice of Examen, which is sort of a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. and it was started by, I think, Ignatius of Loyola, a saint from a long time ago, like in the 1500s or something. Jesuit or something, or Franciscan or something. Yeah, Jesuit. And so um, he just talked about at the end of your day, sort of looking back and reviewing, you know, how your day was. And I can see this actually also affecting, say, let's say your mental health of, of emotional health. So looking back, it's, uh, where did you notice God? Where did you feel closest to God? You know, where, where were you farthest from God? And so all of that also, I think, can play into a healthier emotional outlook, which affects our anxiety. So it's a similar idea yeah. of the gratitude, uh, but it's also going to deepen our relationship with God. At, uh, at least I have found that to be That's true. That's really interesting. Well, I love that because it also, as in that in that Philippians 4 verse, talking about setting your mind on things above, yes, that yes. idea of examining it, just not through gratitude. Yes. I love of that of asking like where would where did I feel God today where did I notice him where yes. did I feel close but where right. did I feel far yes. I mean all those things are again taking that perspective from being internal yes to Stacy you're not capable of doing this or this makes you worried or this makes you right. feel stressed out to you know setting it on things above right 
Yes. I love that scripture plays out in such a way, yes. such a real way. You know, sometimes we just read and it's mm-hmm. like, well, that sounds great. You guys, you know, didn't have yeah. bills to pay and you right, know, right. misbehaving children or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, all these things that yes. stress us out. But really, the word of God yeah. is so alive in yes. all of this. It's so, yes. oh, I just love it. Yeah. And I guess another thing I would say is to really um, know that you're not alone in if you suffer from excessive worry or anxiety, that most people at some point in their life are going to feel what you have felt. Mm -hmm. And also that even though people look like they're coping, they may not be. So Mm -hmm. to recognize that we all are going through things and we don't know what people's stories are and we don't know you know, um, just what they've experienced in their life that might have uh, helped trigger anxiety and how maybe they have moved through that. So mm-hmm. just, I guess you're not alone. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I think that's comforting to people. Um, I have a group of girlfriends. There's seven of us that are on Mar- Marco Polo app. And so we, it's basically <laughs> okay. like these video chats that you all put together and oh. we, we live all over so we can kind of all chat oh. back and forth. Okay. And even though we've been friends for like 20 years, we realize that we kind of save the best versions of ourselves from when we go on these girls weekends. And what Marco Polo has done is allow us to talk on a daily basis Mm. together in a way where we're now starting to share some of our junk, which we've always shared kind of the big junk, but Mm -hmm. like the daily stuff. Yes. And so now we'll say, you know, I may say as I'm driving in, you know, gosh, y'all, I'm feeling really anxious today about this Mm. season of life I'm in, or this is like, I can feel it. I'm Mm -hmm. just not looking forward to this. And as soon as we say it, somebody chimes in and says, me too. I thought I was the only one. There's something so powerful Mm. about knowing that one, you don't carry the burden alone, but two, that you're also not the only one who's experienced it. Because when you're the only one, it feels like, well, this must be a terminal diagnosis now. (laughs) You know, like I'm just going to be this wound up, nervous, stressed out, you know, unenjoying life person. Yes. Yes. Oh, I completely agree. Um, I, uh, feel very blessed that I have, you know, friends that I can share life with and do life with, and it helps for me not to feel alone. And they all understand and get me and the things that I go through. And sometimes I feel like, am I just being a whiny baby? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, then again, I'm like, no, uh, because they affirm, you know, whatever's happening and that they're there and that they're praying for me. And um, so, I, yeah, Yeah. where would we be without our community? Oh, gosh. And I find that when I keep that stuff inside, Mm -hmm. which I'm a stuffer, I am... It's not, uh, it is not real comfortable to me to talk mm-hmm. about my feelings mm-hmm. or areas that I struggle. I've never been, I've never been good at it. I'm starting to get better, but I still don't like it. Like yeah. it, it hurts to talk about it. But I find <laughs> that when I, but what hurts more is like when I stuff it, it festers mm. and it comes out in weird ways, yes. like high blood pressure, yes. um, yelling at my kids, yes. like being distant to my husband, yes. um, like dreading everything, like yes. not just the Monday blues, but the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday yes. blues. Yes. And so I find that once I can just bring it out into the light, which is biblical too, yes. you know, things that are brought out into the light, yes. they don't have any power anymore. Right. Because Satan does want to take all of that and make you feel like you're drowning. But as soon as you expose it, it's like, oh, I might actually feel a little freedom from it right now that I've said it. Yes. 
that is something that uh, anybody who does come in for counseling, that is probably the first thing that they take away from just meeting with somebody is Mm -hmm. having the opportunity to be heard, to be listened to, to be validated with what their experience is, and to know that they're not alone. Um, You know, to be a a burden, we're a burden sharer. um, Oh, that's good. With our, um, the the really the people we come in contact with. And um, so how does that appointment work? Because I know for me, I have always, we've done counseling for different mm -hmm. things, but I think I've never done it for just myself. Because, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the things I'm out there, I mean, there's a whole plethora of reasons, but one of the things that I always worry about is where would I even start? Like, so it all started on a rainy night in 1982 when I was born (laughs) and this is, and my great grandmother, like, where do you even, so for the person that says, okay, I'm checking off the boxes, everything you've said about anxiety, I am feeling it is starting to interfere. It is you know, I'm not maybe at the place mm-hmm. of medication, but I don't even know that. But I know right. that it's whatever I'm doing is not working. Yes. How does a counseling appointment even start? Where do they even start? Well, first, a phone call. Okay, that's a good first <laughs> yeah, step. <laughs> you have to make an appointment. And, you know, uh, our um, we have our care and counseling at Forest Hill. So you would call our number, 704. But there are, a bunch of, there are a bunch of great counselors all over, even if you're not part of Forest That's Hill. That's right. If you're not part of Forest Hill, um, there are many, many good counselors around the community. And so um, you can even probably call Forest Hill if you would like to find a referral. Okay. okay? So once you have made your appointment, then usually fill out some paperwork and then you come into the office and usually your counselor will be very welcoming and warm, hopefully, (laughs) and and try to make you feel comfortable and you'll review the paperwork and then talk about confidentiality, which is really important in counseling because that's part of what makes you feel safe, safe enough to share those things that maybe you don't share very easily. Mm -hmm. So that's established. And then it's basically, so what made you decide to call or what made, what brought you in today? And you would then be um, invited to share whatever you want about what made you decide to come in. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, not necessarily like them, like the person laying on a couch and you saying, look <laughs> at this ink blot and tell me, do you see a picture of your mother? It's yes. not like, <laughs> well, most counseling nowadays is not like that, but they do still do that in some places. So, but that's not what we do at, here at Forest Hill. Ours is more short term. That tends to be very long term counseling. <laughs> and uh, no, we are, we are here just to try to help you navigate where you are in your life and utilize tools and strategies that we have learned that we would like to share with you. Well, I appreciate you normalizing that because I think people with anxiety, there's anxiety and even like, what do I expect? I find that my son, even at a young age, experiences some anxiety and he, it manifests in a lot of questions. Mm. Like he needs to know how everything's going to play out. And at first I thought he was just inquisitive, but then I realized, well, I've got some of that. You know, Mm -hmm. when I, when there's a new situation, I want to know every detail about how it's going to play. Like, okay, I'm going to walk in the door and then what's going to happen? Who Mm -hmm. am I going to see? So I love that you even went as far as saying, well, first you got to call. Yes. And then you have some paperwork. (laughs) Right. Because that can throw people for a loop when they don't know every detail. So I appreciate you normalizing that. Yes. Yes. And I've had counseling myself many times. Um, 
And I have experienced being on the other side, being a client, and I understand how hard it can be and scary. And um, yeah, and, you know, I'll also say that not every counselor fits every client. So you, if you go to somebody and it just didn't seem to feel right or work right for you, um, you might know right away or it may take another visit. But, you know, I would encourage you to try a different counselor. So counselors don't get their feelings hurt. Well, I mean, everybody's human, right? <laughs> I get my feelings hurt, but not. You should not know that. You're not. You're not going to give somebody the side eye in the hallway no. if they choose if they leave you and no. go to Scott Carpenter. No, <laughs> no. Um, our my desire is that you know you get help Good. somewhere for what you're experiencing, and and yeah. Yeah, well, because if you're a people pleaser like me, yes. you wouldn't want to break up with your counselor for right. fear of running into them in the hallway. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Well, and I will tell you, that's another thing at Forest Hill, that if you do come to Forest Hill and do come to counseling, that one of the things is that um, the client owns the relationship. Uh-huh. So if you were to see your counselor at church in the hall or wherever, then you, I would want you to know that you own the relationship and your counselor is not going to make any overt. uh, Say, how's your anxiety feeling today? They're not going to do that. In fact, most of the time, you know, they're going to tell you, if you smile at me, I'll smile back. But if Mm -hmm. you don't, then I'm just going to respect your desire for privacy, which is, you're right. Yeah. And I'm going to treat you that way. I will never break up, bring up whatever it is that you might come in for counseling. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes we have the opposite occur where you're grabbed and they're like, this is my counselor. And we're kind of like, mm, let's that, get a free session real fast. <laughs> well, yeah, that can be a little, you know, uncomfortable just because we really value their confidentiality sure. and, and really want them to feel safe and um, confident in that. <laughs> well, I really feel like in what you've just described, there is going to be somebody on the other end of this microphone, on the other end of the screen that says, you know, I've been hesitant. Hmm. I've, I've not, I've been scared of counseling. I've been, I've, I've been, I've been wearing this burden of anxiety mm. or mental or emotional health. And now I feel like I'm equipped to take that first step. Mm. So I appreciate that because I think they're, I'm excited to hear the feedback. I'm excited to hear the stories of freedom that are going to come mm. from people that say, I just needed confidence to take that first step. And then the heat and that, the, the freedom that comes from having somebody help bear the burden with them, like yes. you said. I think that's so neat. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this um, one last two questions about anxiety. The first one, do you ever get over it? Like, are you ever um, able to conquer it forever or do you just learn how to manage it? Well, I think that goes back to God <laughs> because God, first of all, heals in different ways. And he may his healing may be that he is going to give you what you need to cope with it, mm. or he may heal you completely of it. And he may use the various tools of healing. He may use just prayer. He may use a counselor. He may use medication. Mm. He may use all three. So I, I really can't give you a def- any more of a definitive answer yeah. than that. But even coping strate- strategies are not outside of God's healing no, uh, it's toolbox. All, no, all good things come from Him. And mm. that's a good thing. And He has equipped us uh, in dealing, in coping with anxiety. Part of His 
way of um, designing our bodies, it's amazing. Because just like, you know, when you cut yourself and you heal and the skin grows back together, sometimes you have a little scar, sometimes not, you know, he's equipped us with our ability to shift from our anxiety into a calm place. Mm. We, I, I mentioned the sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, and freeze, and the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest. We have the ability to shift mm. from one to the other. Now, that sounds really simple, but it isn't. And it's basically when we are doing mindful activities, mindfulness activities, like the deep breathing, like being present, learning how to self-soothe, calm ourselves, which involves grounding ourselves. When we're doing all of these things, we are doing push-ups in our brain. And we are working our brain and strengthening our brain and our ability to shift from the fight, flight, and freeze to the rest and digest. Mm. So, and so that so it is, is exercises that you have to continue. It's not just a one and done yes, thing. I love right. that. I love that imagery of doing push-ups in your brain yes. because there's something about that that I get. Like you might not do it fully the first time, right? To your fullest potential because right. you got to build that muscle. Yes, you build the muscle. So it's, I mean, it's just an amazing thing what God has done for our bodies. And I think that, you know, we're just kind of beginning to tap into all of that. Well, what would you say in closing to the person who is listening to this right now? Maybe they're in the car and they're feeling anxious. Mm. Maybe they're getting ready to walk into their home and they feel anxious or into a meeting. What would you say to the person who's feeling acute anxiety right now? I'm going to say, start breathing, <laughs> breathe in your nose and you can blow out your mouth. Try to make your inhales equal your exhales. Take a pause in between the inhale and exhale and just allow yourself to kind of calm and flow into that breathing. The, the deep breathing is getting air into your belly. When we're anxious, we breathe shallow up in our chest and we're not getting air in. So as we do more cycles of deep breathing, we are able to move air in. And the other key is with deep breathing and you're anxious already, is if you even hold your breath, say, inhale four, hold four, exhale four, 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 that's going to help break the panic cycle. Oh. And then you can move in, move into a, a smoother deep breathing where you don't have to hold your breath. Just inhale, pause, exhale. Okay, y'all. Did y'all hear that? Start breathing if you're feeling anxious. Yes. Well, Belinda, thank you so much. I think this is this is just remarkable. I just love the tools that you gave us and how you have normalized anxiety for us and we're vulnerable. I think there's so many good lessons that we can take away from this. I really appreciate you being here today. We just are so glad that you guys came. Next week, we're going to continue in this series of The Escape Room. If this podcast is something that you have enjoyed and that you're listening to on a regular basis, give us a comment. Get Rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Email us. Share. We have, we have really found that in this series, especially around The Escape Room, that people are sending this to their friends as resources. Mm. And so, yes, we talk about Forest Hill. That's our, kind of our frame of reference. But the content is God's content. All That's truth right. is God's truth. Um, and so we are hoping, and I'm hoping specifically for this one around anxiety, that people are able to use it mm -hmm. and add it to their toolbox for our mental and emotional health. So share it. Let us know what you think. Rate us on iTunes. That's how, how we grow. 
And uh, we just can't wait to see you next week. Have a great one.